Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Let's go over to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. And we want to continue with this that we have been on, give no place. And uh, when God begins to move a body down a road of revelation, it, of course, uh, you're seeing more and more things. And it's up, to, uh, uh, it's up to the pastor, if you will, to keep seeing down that road of revelation. And the more you move down a road of revelation, the more God will show you. And uh, we've been, of course, looking at this over the last six weeks or so. And uh, what we're learning a lot about uh, the enemy, the way he operates, the way he uh, does things. And we're also learning more and more that we don't have to put up with it. But uh, my pastor said something I heard years ago, and it just imprinted my spirit. And he said, most Christians are ignorant of spiritual things. And, uh, of course, I'm not saying that's you, but the point is most Christians are ignorant of spiritual things. There was a lady the other day that was talking with one of the uh, members of my staff in Little Rock, and she was upset, you know, because uh, uh, she's, you know, well, she's part of the world and, and a carnal Christian, if you will. And uh, they were talking about uh, political party platforms. And... Uh, you know, the, the issue is, is it's not partisan politics. It's not Republican or Democrat. It's what does the party stand for? Right? right? And you can couch it in whatever terms you want. And so uh, this staff member said, well, you know, our pastor doesn't necessarily preach politics. He preaches platforms and talks about the, the different platforms. And this person just went off on them. Well, he ought to be put in jail. He's breaking the law. He ought to be arrested. And I'm thinking, they don't even know me. And they're saying I ought to be put in jail. They've never even heard me. See, that's, that's the spirit of the world. If you say something I don't like, shut you up, silence you. Right? Get right, fire you. Well, here, here the, the reason I'm, I'm saying this to you is, at the same time, this lady said whatever party she was for. Well, I'll say it. She said, I'm for the Democratic Party. And uh, she said, but we don't. The Democrats don't believe in abortion. I'm waiting for the chuckles. <laughs> Amen. And, and the lady said, well, the, the party platform says that you do. And she said, oh, so you go to one of those churches that want to take your rights away. That want to tell you what to do with your body. When a woman goes and gets an abortion, she's not doing anything to her body. She's doing something to the body of an unborn child. When someone says abortion is not right, according to Scripture, they're not trying to take a woman's rights away. They're trying to give that unborn child its rights. And that's why the world tries to refer to it as a fetus because they don't want to refer to it as a human being. The problem is, is they don't know their Greek language and fetus means baby. My point in saying this is this person says, I've been teaching Sunday school for 40 years. But yet, ignorant of spiritual things. There are people on the sound of my voice. You have family members that will tout how much they know the Bible, and when they open their mouth, you know they are largely ignorant of spiritual things. Amen. Amen. And one area that we're largely ignorant in, believers are largely ignorant in, is in the area where their authority is concerned. There are believers that will say they know they have authority. Jesus died and bought it and paid for it. But then to exercise it, 
They have a problem with that because here's why. Because they don't understand how the enemy works. If you understand how he works, it's a very mundane process. It's not exciting. It's not, it's not spectacular. Because if it were, you would reject it. It's everyday, run-of-the-mill things. The devil is very fundamental in the way that he approaches us. He doesn't change. When you talk about somebody that's very fundamentally sound, what you're saying is they're not exciting, they're not explosive, they're not spectacular, but boy, their fundamentals are good. Well, the enemy in his attack is very mundane. That's why it works so well on so many people. Notice in Ephesians 4 and 25. It says, Wherefore, put in a well line, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we're members one of another. Be angry, sin not. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Now, notice what he says. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these verses. There are foundation verses. But he says, uh, Don't lie to each other and don't be sinfully angry. Why? That gives place to the devil. All right? The Roost Bible says don't give him any opportunity for acting. The word place is a foothold or a loophole or some means of entrance into your life. And Paul says two of those ways is lying and being unjustly angry. And we'll teach more about on that on Wednesday night. But the point is, is understand there are doors that can open there are doors that can be opened that allow the enemy entrance into a believer's life. This is what's so important. He cannot just get into your life if the door isn't open. All right, when you get quiet, you got to say it. Say it out loud. The devil cannot just get into my life. A door has to be open. That's a good place to tell your neighbor, so shut the door. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you see that? He can't just come into your life and do whatever he wants to do without access. Amen. Amen. Without a door being open. When I wrote the book, Refusing the Care, and taught the series, the Lord said to me about care and worry and concern. He said, worry and carrying care Props the door open for the enemy to bring anything else into your life he wants to bring. But you'll run into people today, Christians, that will say, well, you know, the season we're in, you can't help but worry. Really? Funny, poor Jesus didn't know that. He said, you see to it that you don't worry. Why? It opens the door. I say, it opens the door. And so Paul said that it is, he said two things. There is a devil, and I can deny him access into my life. Amen. Do you see this? The devil's entrance into a believer's life is allowed mainly through the negligence of the believer. The negligence of the believer. Because if there's an uncommitted or an unrenewed area of that believer's mind, he can slip in and begin to wage warfare against the mind and the flesh of that person. That's why I tell you, it's very mundane. He's working to get into your thought life. He's working to get into your mind. And he does that through the area of thoughts. And if there's an uncommitted or unrenewed area of my mind, he can come in and begin to wage warfare against my mind. When thoughts come to you like, well, you're not worthy, get rid of that thought. Because hear me, it wasn't just a thought. Some entity said that. You're hearing words of a disembodied spirit that's trying to get entrance into your life. And the only way it can get entrance into your life is to get you to open up your mind so it can get in there. But people say, well, that's just a thought. There's no such thing as just a thought. No such thing. They are words. You pick up spiritual words in your spirit. You've never heard a spiritual word with your ears, ever. You pick it up in your spirit. 
you pick it up in your mind. And when the enemy speaks to you, your spirit is a closed system. When he wants to get a thought to you, he doesn't say it necessarily out loud or through somebody else. He says it through a thought. But nonetheless, it's not just a thought. You didn't generate it. It's not from your mind. It's from an outside source. And where a lot of Christians are spiritually ignorant is they don't understand there is a set of beings that are out there that are hell-bent on our destruction and our defeat, and they're going to try to do it through the process of getting thoughts into our mind. Amen. 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 And so when you hear those words, you need to begin to recognize who is saying it. And immediately, what do you do? You go into resist mode. You go into flee mode. I reject that. You get out of here in Jesus' name. Amen. Why? Because he's looking for a foothold. Well, you know, you're not worthy, and if they knew everything you'd do, they they wouldn't think much of you. You better reject that. Well, you know, but pastor, I know better, you know. I mean, I know I'm worthy, but wait a minute. You won't. You keep listening to that, and it won't be long. You won't think you're worthy. Because that's how he works. Thoughts like, well, what'd they mean by that? What? That didn't come from your spirit. You got to watch that. Now, here's, I'm using this little illustration to show you. It's mundane. It's uneventful. It's, it's vanilla. That's how he works. The devil doesn't come to you Neapolitan. He comes to you (laughs) vanilla. He's not Rocky Road or Pecan Crunch or whatever it is. He's just vanilla. There's nothing more plain than vanilla. Amen. Amen. But he's trying to, that's why he can slip in. Because I opened the door to a thought. Right? Right? Now, see, here's, here's the problem. Most people are trying, most believers are trying to wage spiritual warfare on a level that it's not spiritual warfare, and they're forgetting their mind. Amen. Colossians 2, Colossians 2. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day, and the way they talked, they just sounded mad at me. Well, where did that come from? Folks, any thought that wants to make you feel sorry for yourself is the devil. Any self-pity thought is the devil. And he's trying to get into your mind. I know that's repetitive, but think about that. Think about that. The Bible says when when the woman came and poured the alabaster box on Jesus that Judas said, boy, this is a waste. You know, where our giving's concerned, what you did today, you did that for the word. Nothing you gave is wasted because you did it for the word. Well, the Bible says Jesus is the word. And Judas and the other disciples sat back and said what that woman did for the word was a waste. And then the next thing you see about Judas, it says, and supper being ended, the devil having put in Judas' heart to betray Jesus. One translation says this. It said, implanted a thought in his mind. Well, where, where, whether it was heart or mind, however you want to look at it, how, how does the enemy get a thought into your heart? He gets it into your mind. The enemy got so into Judah's mind and into his heart that he betrayed Jesus. He, he wasn't a peripheral member of this team. He wasn't one of the 70. He wasn't somebody that received a miracle and went on about his way. He was part of the inner 12. He was the treasurer. He kept the money of the ministry. They must have thought he had some talent and ability to do it because they gave him the responsibility. He's in those meetings, seeing people healed. He's believing God for the finances. He's exercising his faith. And yet, at the end of his life, we see him betraying Jesus. What happened? The enemy got a thought in his mind. 
He got a thought in his mind, then he got it into his heart. Because there are people, largely ignorant spiritual people, that will say, well, you know, that was God's will anyway, and Judas was just kind of an unwilling vessel. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. That's a lie. He did what he did because he let the enemy get in his heart and in his mind and convince him to go do it. How do I know that? Because nobody's predestined for hell. Everybody's predestined for eternal life. There are people that will go to hell because they won't believe God. Colossians 2, did you find it? In verse 15, the King James, of course, says, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it. The Phillips translation says, having drawn the sting of all the powers and authorities ranged against us, what did he do? He exposed them. Now, this is important. What did he expose them as being? Shattered, empty, and defeated. He exposed them as being shattered, empty, and defeated. So the enemy, the enemy that you're dealing with is shattered, empty, and defeated. There's a reason the Bible tells you over and over again that the enemy is defeated. To tell you that he has no power or ability over you. But then it goes on and tells us that that doesn't stop him from trying to sound fearful. It doesn't stop him from trying to sound menacing. It doesn't stop him from trying to say that he can do this or he can do that. Hallelujah. The enemy's constantly hassling our thoughts. Telling people they're going to fail. Constant onslaught against their mind. Well, what are you going to do? And how are you going to do this? And what's going to happen? Constant onslaught against their mind. There's a very important word that you've got to get a hold of. It's called yielding. Whoever I yield to. Because I can tell you as a believer, you're never going to have a time that the enemy doesn't try to mess with you. But I don't have to yield. You remember reading in the book of Proverbs, chapter 7, it talks about the, 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 the foolish young man and, and uh, the, the, the wicked woman. And it says she met him on the street corner and she said, come home, my bed is perfumed, uh, my husband's gone, I've got all this going on, let's go and, and, and let's you know commit adultery and do all these things. And it says with her much fair speech, She caused him to yield. To yield. And it said he didn't know it was for his life. She caused him to yield. So she kept talking until he yielded. Right? What's the purpose of the enemy consistently attacking someone's mind? To get them to yield to those thoughts. I said this maybe the last time I was here. I I knew a man that was, I mean, born again, full of the Spirit of God, on fire, word of faith, just full of the power of God. Amen. Would see him at minister's conference. Just seemed to be a stalwart man of God. And he started thinking wrong. He started thinking self-pity thoughts. That man's in a mental institution today. Tried to kill himself five or six times. People say, well, what happened? How'd that happen? I mean, he was such a man of God. He yielded. Nothing just happens. Sometimes we hear people's testimonies, and you come away thinking, well, how did the enemy get in there? How'd the enemy put that on there? How'd the enemy get depression in there on them? They yielded. I'm not telling you that oppression, depression is not a real thing. I'm not telling you that there's not people under the sound of my voice that have fought it. But here's the thing. You fought it and you overcame it. You're free from it. Why? You didn't yield to it. Yeah, but I feel. The feeling may be there, but I don't have to yield to it. Amen. Sometimes, sometimes that, that, that hassling will come through just a bad mood. And people will say, well, you know, I'm kind of having a blue day. Don't, don't, don't just take it that lightly. You got to speak to that. I'm not going to yield to you. 
I'm not yielding. So notice he is shattered, empty, and defeated. So there are things that the enemy tries to keep believers from walking in. And his goal is to stop the light of the word from shining in a person's life. In Ephesians 2, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. The Apostle Paul makes this statement. He says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. In time past, he said. The Roost Bible says we walked as dominated by the leader of the authority of the lower atmosphere. So he says, Paul says in verse 2, that that was in times past. But here's what I want you to notice. I mean, we have been changed. We've been translated out of the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of Christ. Colossians uh, chapter 1, verse 12 and 13 tells us that we've been translated We've been uh, moved out of that kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Amen. At one point, we had the nature of Satan. At one point, we had the nature of the devil. We were dominated by him, but not anymore. He has no say over our lives. God has not given Satan any authority over our lives. None. No authority over me. No authority over you. As a matter of fact, that authority, of course, has been broken. He does have a delegated power. He has a delegated authority. But it was not given to him by God. It was given to him by Adam. There's a big difference there. Adam gave away and delegated to him what had been given by God. God did not give Satan his authority. Adam did. The reason why that's important is because God did not give Satan his authority. He can't exercise it over us. But because God did give us our authority, we can exercise it over him. So important. Amen. Anytime, anytime that you see a spirit of rebellion or a spirit of disobedience, you know where it's coming from. It's coming from the devil. And Paul said that, that, notice, he says it's the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Not just disobedience across the board, but disobedient to what God says, disobedient to the things that God wants to do. He says that there's a spirit working in them. He says it's not in us, though. Because we've been delivered. When we were quickened, we were delivered from that. Thank the Lord. Hallelujah. So he says, the prince of the power of the air, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. So what is the prince of the power of the air? Well, we know the prince is Satan. The prince is Satan. We know that. Satan himself is not a disembodied spirit. He has a spiritual body. It's an angelic body. His body's real. It can't be seen without the discerning of spirits. But the word power here means ability or influence. So Satan is the prince of the ability to influence of the air. Notice how he works. Influence. He has to influence you. That's why sometimes you'll talk to people and they say, well, for the last week or the last three days, I've been battling these thoughts and, and, or th- there's really been this pressure on me. That's the enemy attempting to influence. Right. Amen. Because of this influence that he has. Demons, of course, 
are disembodied evil spirits. They, they have no bodies of their own. This is so important because the devil has succeeded on a large scale with a lot of people in this in that they don't even believe he exists or that demons exist. That's, that's a plan that he has to convince people that he's not even real. You won't resist something you don't think's real. Right? And so demon spirits that are perverted, that lost their first estate, they have no bodies of their own, so they're looking for human embodiment. Why? They want to manifest or express their nature. Right. Anger, lust, different things. They're trying to manifest or express themselves. They have no expression without human aid. Now, this is important because this is how he works, through influence. And they begin to operate first through oppression. Now, if you've ever been oppressed, or maybe you are, don't get condemned, just understand you have victory over it. Oppression. You're not supposed to walk around oppressed. That's a constant onslaught of the enemy. He starts working through oppression. It can come through fear. It can come through worry. It can come through, you name it. But he's trying to oppress me. This is why spiritual warfare is lost on a lot of people because they're looking for something that it's not. So he's trying to oppress people because the next step is then obsession. So they become oppressed, then they become obsessed. And it becomes what they're thinking about all the time. Whatever it may be. Hallelujah. And then the ultimate goal, finally, thirdly, is possession. So oppression, obsession, possession. People say, well, a Christian can't be possessed by a demon. You're exactly right. In their spirit, they can't. But they can in their body. Right. And that's what the enemy's fighting for. Especially in a believer. He knows he can do nothing with your spirit. It's a sealed system. But if he can get a possessive element in your flesh, he can stop you from doing anything for God, and he can stop you from doing anything against him. Amen. And that's why you've got to watch what you listen to, what you watch on TV, the things you say, the things you do. It's not legalism. It's called doors. And if I open up doors into my life, into my family, amen. I, 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 I got to be so cautious with that because he's just looking for that open door. Then he comes in and he begins to wage warfare, not just against my mind, but against the minds in my family, against my children, against my spouse. Hallelujah. So they're disembodied spirits. And notice this is important, not to make us afraid, to make us understand something. If I don't yield, there's nothing they can do. The more you know about them, the less you fear them. I say the more you know about them, the less you fear them. But I've, got, I've known Christians that come and say, well, Pastor, you know the devil does have power. Well, yeah. That's right. But Luke 10 says, I've been given authority over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will by any means hurt me. When, if you get this revelation that we're teaching in this series, there's no dominion he can exercise over you. Because I'm not looking for a demon behind every bush. I'm not looking for something spectacularly. I'm guarding my mind. Remember that's what Paul said? He said the peace of God, what would it guard? Your heart, your spirit, and your mind through Christ. Hallelujah. The more we, can, the more we know about them, the less we fear them. The more information we have, the better we can deal with them in faith. Over and over again. 
And I just use this as an example. Uh, over and over again, when Brother Hagin would be teaching, and, and, and he would see certain things in the spirit, and maybe he would see a demon spirit that was oppressing someone or something of that nature, and he would rebuke that spirit. And over and over again, he would say what they looked like. He said they looked like maybe a little, like a little monkey-looking creature. You know, kind of wiry and small. And over and over again, he said, I would rebuke them in the name of Jesus, and they'd fall down at my feet and whimper and say things like this. Well, I don't want to go, but I know if you tell me to, I have to. That's not the Hollywood version. Right? The Hollywood version is the man of God goes in where the demon's at, and the demon picks him up, spins him around, slams him around. No, that's not Bible. That's a movie. Right? In reality, you're dealing with beings that cannot just do whatever they want to do in your life. They can harass, they can, they can talk, but you don't have to listen, and they have no authority over you. That's why I said at the very beginning of this series, it is, it is not... It is an oxymoron for a believer to live under oppression from the enemy. He may try to oppress you, but it is going to end. Hallelujah. Ephesians 4. And, and I'll get ahead of myself a little bit. That's why you've got to have a working knowledge of the Word. If you've got a working knowledge of the Word, you know how things are going to turn out. Don't be that Christian that sits around and, and wrings your hands and talks about how are things going to turn out. You know how things are going to turn out. Yeah, but we've never seen it like this. Right, and if you live long enough, you're going to see another year that you've never seen before. Amen. Jesus said what we're dealing with now is the beginning of sorrows. Boy, I didn't get very many amens off that one. Right? But to, to, to be forewarned is to be prepared. Amen. Can I tell you, I've never thought since, since everything started, if we can say it that way, it's never crossed my mind, what are we going to do? What do you mean, what are we going to do? It's never crossed my mind that I could get sick. I've told you for years, I can't be sick. Every disease, germ, and virus dies instantly when it touches my body. Yeah. Why? I'm bought with the price. My life, my body, my spirit is not my own. It belongs to God. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying this for any other reason than to say, why would I think that things can go contrary to the Word when if the Word works, it works in the middle of a pandemic? It works when there is no pandemic. Either the Word works all the time or it works none of the time. You either have faith in it always or you have faith in it, in it none of the time. So we know how things are going to turn out. The Word way. But the enemy will hassle your thoughts. And then if you watch the news, the news can change what you think. Well, I thought things were getting better, but then I saw the numbers. What numbers? Numbers from the people that are trying to deceive you? God bless them. <laughs> but people will, stand, will hear the governor speak knowing that it has been proved that they've altered the numbers, knowing it's a fact. But then they'll believe them. The Bible says if you believe a lie, destruction will come into your life. Amen. I'm not preaching against any person. I'm saying you know how it's going to end. And because I'm preaching to Christians, you don't let Fox News determine what you believe. Yeah, but they're conservative. Yeah, but they're not Christian. I don't, have, I don't see any of the anchors getting up there saying, now this is what the Word says, this is what they say, but this is what the Word says. Right. 
And I'm going to tell you, a lot of you right here, you would do yourself a favor if you never watch the news again and you just believe what God said and get through it. Well, I need to know what's going on. I know what's going on right here. I know what is happening right here. We're in the time of Jacob's trouble. We're in the time when the earth is laboring under the curse of sin. Jesus is about ready to return. Everything in this world is about to be turned upside down, inside out. The world is heading for more problems than they've ever known or ever imagined. But the, what, the church is headed for that great getting up morning when we get out of here in the rapture of the Lord Jesus Christ and we are going to go with a harvest. Hallelujah. I know what's going to happen. And you don't let the enemy run his mouth and try to change your mind. Amen. There's so much to do in the church, and the enemy has immobilized people with fear. Immobilized people with fear. There are churches that are still not open. Well, you know, Pastor, that's no big deal. People got to do what they got to do. Well, I understand, but that's not a biblical viewpoint. Amen. Do you see this? There's a man that gave prophecy, and I read it in prayer this morning. And he said, just like the world has tried to put a mask on the church and try to muzzle the church, he said, I'm going to take that same spirit of intimidation, and I'm going to turn it around and put it on the world. I believe that. I believe that. And I'm not just talking about a physical thing. I'm not talking about a physical mask or a physical this. I'm saying what we see in the natural is a type of what's going on in the spiritual. The enemy's doing everything he can do to silence what the church is saying, to silence the body of Christ. But I'm telling you, if you'll rise up against those thoughts and not be intimidated by it, you know what's going to happen. We know how this thing ends. Whew. Glory to God. Ephesians 4 and 14. It says that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. You have to have air to have wind, but you do not have to have wind when you have air. There has to be air to be wind. But you don't have to have wind to have air. Now, why is this important? When Satan wants to blind your mind or obscure your perception, he attempts to perpetrate some wind of doctrine. He'll bring in a wind of doctrine. The wind blows. You can't see the wind, but you can see the effects of it. You might look out the window and see the trees blowing, the leaves blowing. And say, boy, look at the wind. Well, you're not really seeing the wind. You're seeing the effects. Amen. When the prince of the power of the air begins to blow a false doctrine, you can see the effects of it. And I've seen a lot of winds of doctrine come through. But when he starts blowing a false doctrine... You see the effects. You see the effects in the church. I mean, there, there's false doctrine out there right now that we're in the middle of the tribulation. Well, dear God, if we're in the middle of the tribulation, we're... <laughs> or that what, we're, what the nation is experiencing is judgment from God. Well, that's false doctrine. That's a false doctrine. Did the nation open doors? I believe so. But was it God that sent it? If it's stealing, killing, and destroying, it can't be. If it's causing destruction, it can't be God. Because God doesn't have any to give. But he said, I've reached out my hand day after day to a disobedient and a rebellious people, and they wouldn't listen to me. And he said, because of that, this is what's going to happen. But notice it's not happening to the church. It hadn't happened to you. And it's not going to happen to you. 
Amen. So you don't need to let it come into your mind for a moment that what's happening in the world can happen to you. Because it can't. Oh, glory. What could we do as a body if we weren't divided over doctrine? If everybody would get their words in line with what God's saying. I remember early on when Brother Copeland, he stood up in March. And some of you may have seen it, you may remember. He said, this this disease, talking about the virus, he said, it'll be over much quicker than anyone thinks. And he said, because people praying, Christian people praying have overwhelmed it. He said, I'm still the Lord over this nation, saith God. And that's how it's going to be. People will say, well, he sure missed that, didn't he? Did he? I don't think he did. I've kept my words in line with that. This thing's over much quicker than anybody thinks. Now, why do people think it's, it's, it's not that way? Because they're listening to things that are not what God said. Amen. Are you following me? When something said by God, he said, believe the prophets and you'd prosper. The enemy will hassle you about what you heard, what was said, what God spoke to you. And he's trying to get an entrance into your mind. Your job is to keep your words in line with what God said. I asked my wife the other day, I said, how many ministers are no longer saying what the men and women of God have said, they're no, longer, they're no longer backing that up. They're no longer declaring that over their congregations. They're listening to what the world says. Well, the spirit of the world has an origination, and it's with the enemy. Amen. So when Satan wants to move a group of people, he comes with a wind of doctrine. And the greatest and most important work of the devil among men is to counterfeit the doctrines as taught in Scripture. He's trying to deceive the saints. That's why he'll come against healing. He'll come against prosperity. He'll come against victory. He'll come against your authority. He's he's trying to deceive. In Ephesians 6, verse 10. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That word wiles is the word schemes or methods. It carries the idea of a road, a traveling over. Meaning that this is how he operates. His schemes are to consistently bring that thought. He's trying to pave a road into a person's mind. That's his, that's his job. That's his, that's his method, is to consistently try to pave that road into your mind. But notice the scripture says that when I put on the whole armor of God, I can stand against the wiles of the devil. I don't have to be deceived. Brother Hagin said the only way we can have confidence in our authority is to focus and walk in the light of the written word of God. A fiery dart of the enemy is a frontal attack. It's something that comes to you very obvious. But with a scheme or a method or a thought, If you're ignorant of the word, you'll not recognize it as the devil. Some people are really easily deceived. Because the enemy comes with a thought or a a feeling. And they don't resist it. I mean, if you're sitting there today and, and you had a thought, punch your neighbor in the nose. Well, you know that's not God. Unless they really made you mad and you just wanted to yield to it. The chastening of the Lord. Don't despise it. (laughs) 
But that, that's why it's so subtle. That's why it's so mundane. Think about this for a moment. I, I, I know a lot of what I'm saying you got to think about, and it's not something that we bounce off the walls about, but it's the answer. I remember hearing a long time ago, and you may have heard this, when uh, 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 Bruce Jenner, you know, he, he came out as a woman. He said something one time that wasn't lost on me. He said, when I was nine years old, I heard a voice tell me, you're a girl. Think about that. I mean, I had the Wheaties box in 1976 Montreal Olympics. Greatest athlete in the world. Won the decathlon, right? But he said, if you look at those pictures, I had long hair, shoulder-length hair. He said, that was my attempt to be what I knew I was. A woman. Now think about that. He made the transition, if that's what you want to call it, in his 60s. The devil started talking to him when he was nine. You see that? So he starts real simple. He starts real mundane. It's, it's just a thought. It's just a word. It's just, well, you're not healed. If, if you were healed, uh, you know, there'd be some more evidence in what you have. Listen, that's a demon. That's the devil. That's not just a thought. That's a scheme. He's paving a road. You keep messing with that thought, you'll kill yourself. Amen. You'll hasten sickness. You, you got to cast them down. It's, it's vital because that's how he works. The devil cannot make you sick. People will say, well, the devil put sickness on me. Well, indirectly, he's the cause of all sickness, but you got to yield to it. I got to raise up against it. I've had people say, well, what if, what if you're raised up against it and you don't get healed and you die? Then with my last breath, I'm going to say I'm healed in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd rather leave this earth in faith than go out whimpering like a lot of believers do. But here's what I've learned. If you stand, chances are it's not going to have to be with your last breath that you say I'm healed. You're going to be healed because the Bible says you'll have what you say. I'm helping somebody. I'm helping me. Amen. So I got to recognize that. I got to recognize that. It can be something as simple as, well, you know, you could fail. It's not just a thought. And you got to answer it. Well, I could, but I'm not going to because I'm choosing not to. Right? Amen. Well, boy, your kids aren't living any better, and they don't look like they're doing any better, and, and boy, they're still making mistakes. And if you're not careful, you'll start thinking that way and start talking about your family like that. Well, I don't know what's wrong with Billy. He just don't want to live right, and I don't understand. I raised that kid right. I took him to church. I told him what to, and I blah, 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 blah. What's the scripture say about your children? Great is the peace of my children. Is that right? Yes. It said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved in your household. Yes. So by virtue of my belief on Jesus Christ, the door has been opened for my children to be born again. So I declare that my children are born again and saved by the power of Jesus' name. Amen. Right? Amen. Don't yield to that. Tell your neighbor, say, don't yield. Don't yield, don't yield to it. I, I just don't do it. And if I could say something there uh, along the parenting lines, I've got people in here that parent. You need to work on, on saying yes more than you say no. Quit trying to focus so much on teaching your kids, telling them what to think, teach them how to think.
I mean, don't, don't say stupid things like this. Well, by God, as long as you live in my house, you're not doing it. Meaning what? That when you get out of my house, I don't care if you do it? That's like saying, we're not going to jump off a cliff as long as you live in my house. I mean, once you get on your own, jump off all of them you want. <laughs> we're not trying to raise good kids. We're trying to raise good adults. Why don't, I'm, you say, you've digressed. No, I haven't. Because the enemy will use thoughts against your children, and if you're not teaching them how to think, instead of trying to teach them what to think, they won't know how to resist it. You need to spend more time talking to your kids and listening to your kids. Not talking at them, talking with them. Sit down talk with them. Find out what's going on in their life. Quit trying to have gotcha moments. Yeah, I knew you were doing something wrong. I was praying. <laughs> you know, that stick only works for a while. I'm not telling you you shouldn't pray for your kids or shouldn't tell them sometimes what God says. But if I had a nickel for every parent that has that, that story, yeah, I, my kid was off messing up, and the Lord told me in prayer, and boy, I got him. So you accomplished what you wanted. You got him. You didn't help him grow. And the minute you got him, the devil started talking to him. Yeah, that's how those religious people are. They don't have no mercy. They don't have any love. They don't have any grace. It's just you do whatever they want you to do, and, and it's all legalism. And, and, and the devil's driving them further and further from the church, and here's mom and dad, spirit-filled, full of the Holy Ghost, full of the power of God, and they don't understand how the devil got into their home. Say amen or oh me. It's, it's right nonetheless. Amen. I'm the gatekeeper in my home. I got to make sure of these things. Hallelujah. He said in Ephesians 6, 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, I don't have a, a, a I'm not going to be able to finish this. But notice something. Demon spirits masquerade. Meaning this, there's the law of double reference in the scripture. When you read in the book of Ezekiel, it talks about the physical king of Tyre, and it talks about the king of Tyre that was present in the Garden of Eden. Well, we know that a physical man wasn't there. It's the law of double reference. It was the same spirit operating in both of them. Everything that you've seen, the spirit that drove Adolf Hitler, drove Saddam Hussein, drove Osama bin Laden. Same spirit. Just different people that yield to it. They never die. In Matthew 12, verse 43 through 45, Jesus talked about when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, it wanders about in dry places. And it says that uh, seeking rest and finds none. If you look in verse 44, it says something very important. Then he said, notice this, I will return, notice this, into my house. My house. Now the word unclean, unclean spirit, generally refers to a, a perverted spirit, a sexually perverted spirit. Unclean. The word unclean, uh, uh, in the Greek means uh, unclean in thought or life or morally lewd is what it means. So that's commonly how it refers to. I remember an experience I had, uh, Pastor Michelle and I were living in Nashville and uh, uh, I, I was working uh, as a maintenance uh, man at uh, an apartment complex there. And long story short, there was a guy there, I believe he was a car salesman, and uh, uh, he had a big TV that he wanted to move upstairs. And, you know, back then they weren't this thin, you know, they tube. You, you, you remember. Some of y'all are old enough to remember. And, uh, uh, well, in reality, you know, we weren't supposed to help 
residents move stuff, but, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm nice to a fault. And so uh, I was helping him. And, and uh, so we got up the stairs. And whenever I would get around this guy, just generally, it, there was just something I just, I, did, I couldn't put my finger on it. But it was like, ugh. You know, you ever been around somebody and you just feel like you need to go take a shower? <laughs> Don't look at anybody. I'm just. <laughs> Lexi's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I figured something out. I got up to his, his apartment, and one day I had to, I helped him up to his door. One day I had to, to clean the carpets in his apartment. And when I got in there, I felt that feeling. And I begin to look. He had pornography everywhere. Stacks of books, videos, pictures. I mean, just as a believer, it was like, my God, what den of iniquity have I come into? It's an unclean spirit. Unclean spirit. What, what I'm trying to say is it's a perverted spirit. The enemy is always trying to pervert what God wants to do in your life. If everything that God has for you is good, everything the devil has for you is bad. If the enemy really wants to destroy your life, he will send a perverted person into your life. He'll send somebody that wants to twist the plan of God for your life. He'll entice a young woman through a good-looking man or entice a young man through a good-looking woman, and very often they will twist that person and move them away from the things of God. And that doesn't mean that person's possessed, but they are being, they are being uh, influenced by an unclean spirit. Right. I got to stand against that. I say I got to stand against that. So notice he says, I'll go back to my house. That denotes ownership. So notice how the enemy thinks. They have, they, he made a decision. I will go back. They have wills. They're not just mindless beings that are out there slobbering all over themselves and they just luck into something. They make a decision. And they look at people and they say, I'm going to go after him, I'm going to go after her, and this is how I'm going to do it. Right. But remember, the more we know about them, the less we fear them. When you say, nope, I'm not doing that in the name of Jesus. I resist that. What does he do? He falls down on the ground and whimpers and says, well, I'll go if I have to, but I sure don't want to. Every demon that Jesus encountered, most of them cried out in terror when they saw him. Right? When the seven sons of Sceva tried to cast the demon out of that man, they said, no, wait a minute, hang on. There's two guys we know. We know Jesus. And we know Paul. We don't know you. Right? In other words, we recognize those two have authority. You don't have any authority. Not only did they not exercise authority, they didn't have authority to exercise. And notice who knew it, the demon. Can I tell you, because I know where y'all go to church, that you are on the list of demons as people that have authority. And when they see you, they think, dear God, I better get out of the way because here comes one with authority. Amen. And they've knocked on the, mind, the door of your mind before and you've denied them entry. Amen. They know that you won't let them in. It's known far and wide that faith builders are people that the devil fears and trembles. Amen. Do you see that? You say, so what do I do? Well, next time he comes to your place, tell him, this is not your place. Amen. This is not your seat. Glory to God. And keep the door shut. I said, keep the door shut. Amen. I believe you received today. I've received. Hallelujah. And uh, as I'm closing, you know, again, if you've ever missed it, you've yielded in some area, don't get condemned. 
Just don't do it again. Listen, everybody in here has yielded. I ask this question a lot. Is there anybody on the sound of my voice that would raise your hand and say you've never lied? Well, of course not. Well, if you ever lied, you yielded. There are people that we know that's missed it since they've been born again. Well, what they do? They just yielded. Yielded to the wrong influence. What can we do? Choose to not do it again. Amen. Amen. Well, stand up, everyone. Praise the Lord. God's good to us. All the time. time. Hallelujah. I believe God. I believe God. Thank you, Lord. Of course, this afternoon, uh, we will be having another segment in the back, Ask Your Pastor. So, come loaded. Hallelujah. Glory be to God uh, at uh, 4.30, 4.30 p.m. Thank the Lord. Thank you, Father. Lord, we thank you for your word that enlightens us, that empowers us, that brings to our remembrance all things that you've said to us. Father, Peter said this. He said, he said, as long as I am in this tabernacle, I will put you in remembrance of those things that have been taught. And Lord, we thank you that we are aware of our authority. We are aware of the victory that we have over the enemy. And we thank you, Father, for reminding us, for showing us just how really simple it is to take our place of authority. And Lord, we choose to do it in the name of Jesus.